It's great to see everyone here this morning. As Pastor Troy said, we are in week number two of our Asking for a a Friend series. But before we do that, I want to take a moment, as we always do, and just celebrate a little bit of what God is doing among us. First thing I want to celebrate this morning is that today we helped launch a brand new church in Edmonton, Alberta. Evolved Church. So great. Yeah. Because of your faithful giving and your faithful tithing as a church, we were able to help them out financially along with other ARC churches across Canada, get them going, uh, do some coaching alongside them. And, and so they're launching today. I can't wait to hear. Here's the best thing. Today in Edmonton, in a place, you know, far away from here where it's snowy and cold and there's like, you know, reindeer and crazy things going on today in September. Uh, today someone is going to find Jesus and, and just on behalf of them, thank you, church, for your faithfulness. Uh, second thing I want to celebrate is that uh, in three weeks' time, we are starting a second service for our At The Movies series. So we're going to have 9.30 and 11.15, and I can't wait for that because it's a series for people close to you but far from God, and we just need to make some room in this place for them because if everyone is bringing someone, there's just not enough seats for someone in this place, and so... We're going to double it up for our At The Movie series. I can't wait for that. And uh, you'll hear lots more about that. we got promo videos rolling out. I mean, the team is going all in for At The Movies. You're just, I don't want to give away too much, but there's a lot going on. Let me just, like, we've got movie characters showing up every week for the kids and for the adults. I mean, some of y'all, you know, it's for, it's for the Comic-Con adults among us. Uh, it's going to be so fun. It's going to be psycho fun. It's going to be the most, like, we're, we are literally trying to figure out psycho fun, psycho fun. Um, we're trying to figure, what's the most fun we could have in church? That's at the movies. Let's go. Now, number three, I want to celebrate past October into November. We're going to be coming together as a church. We're going to be serving the homeless in our city. And for 15 days, we're going to serve somewhere in the, in the neighborhood of 1,000 meals over 15 days. And there's just nothing better than taking what God is doing in our lives, all that God's given to us and done in us, and then just turning around and using that to invest in somebody else's life. So can we celebrate? Come on, it's going to be an incredible fall. Come on, church. Are you excited? So good. Well, it is week number uh, two of our Asking for a Friend series. And this series is about questions, answering questions that, that we all need answers to, but you might not feel comfortable going and asking. Oh, that was, that was the cold right there that I've been... <laughs> I wasn't going to tell you I had a cold, but I figured you needed to know it was that, not puberty. So, uh, so I've been having a little bit of a cold this week, and uh, glory to God. Um, I just said to Rachel before I got up here, she said, how are you feeling? I was like, I want a nap, but this is going to be great. Come on, somebody. <laughs> It's how we do it around here. We, I, I, just, I, don't, I don't like missing church for anything. I, not for like some small cold. No, glory to God. We're going for it. You ready? Ask him for a friend. Now last week, yeah, someone's clapping. I don't know if that's for me or for Jesus or for whatever that is, but we'll receive it. <laughs> so good. Last week was a significant week. Uh, we talked, we answered the question, how can we deal with depression? And if that's an issue that you're facing or someone in your life is facing and you weren't able to be with us last week, I would encourage you. As always, you can find these messages archived um, in one of a hundred places. It's on our website. It's on our YouTube channel. It's on our podcast. It's on our app. Um, your kids probably have it on their phone. Just ask them. So you can find it and follow along anytime you miss something here on a Sunday. This morning is also another significant question, and it's how can I deal with the difficulties in others. You see, if last week was how can I deal with the difficulties inside myself, today is, well, how do I deal with the difficulties 
in some other people. Now, the difficulties we face with other people oftentimes are because we're different. We're just different. And that's a good thing, that we're all different. Like, can you imagine if everyone was like you? You, you just think about, think about your spouse for a minute and imagine if everyone in the world was just like your spouse, right? Like, that just, glory to God. No, thank you. I, I love Rachel. But if everyone was like her, uh, that would be overwhelming to me. I've got one Rachel, and that is amazing. Thank God for it. But you just don't, now, now think about yourself. What if everyone was like you? I mean, that's even worse, right? Like, this. I'm thankful everyone's not like me. I, if I, none of us would have a home to live in. If everyone was like me, you wouldn't have a car to drive. You wouldn't have, I I can't build. I can build people spiritually. I can build people emotionally. I cannot build anything with my hands. And I'm thankful for people that can. In fact, I'm fascinated with people that can. If I was to sit down and choose to like watch something on TV, you know what I'd probably want to watch? Someone building something. Why? Because it fascinates me. We all want to have somebody else's gift. I look at Tino. Tino could like fix any car. He's just like, a, he teaches people how to fix cars. He builds stuff. He helped these guys. He helped design these walls that are back here, these lights on these things. Like I'm seriously jealous of the gift on his life. I couldn't build a thing. And here's the thing. If this week Tino and I had to change jobs, I would go to his job. And you know what the boss would think? Man, Shane is difficult. Because sometimes the difficulties are just our differences, right? And that's important. You're necessary. Like, you're needed in the kingdom of God. And as Pastor Troy said, that's what step two of Next Steps Today is is all about, because we want to know what's the gold that God put in your life. You're going to leave there today knowing the gift that's on your life. Just think about that. You're going to know the gift, the gold that God put in you to use to make a difference in somebody else's life. And so we're different. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes, however, it's not good. And I see the Every week, our prayer team and and myself, we see all the connect cards that come in and all the prayer requests, and we're praying for those things. And I see every week a lot of the challenge you're facing, a lot of what you need prayer for is actually relationship difficulties, is difficulties with another person. Maybe it's a a sibling that phoned you up and just dumped a whole bunch of stuff on you, or maybe it's another relationship within your family that is difficult, or, or maybe it's somebody at work that's talking behind you're back. We've all got difficult people that we're trying to work through relationships that are challenging. And the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, he knew that we would face difficult relationships. And so he wrote this to his protege, Timothy. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 23, he says this. Again, I say. Now stop there for a moment because this is important. Paul, Paul's saying, hey, Timothy, I'm going to have to keep coming back to this subject for you. Like, this is a big one that if I don't keep talking about this, you're not going to realize how much of a big deal this is. There's difficult people in your world, and you need to know how to deal with difficult people. Again, I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. So there's going to be some relationships in your world that are going to be prone to arguments and are prone to fights. That's all of us. That's Timothy. That's all of us. Paul goes on, and he says, well, here's how you deal with that. He says, a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone be able to teach and, and be, say this with me, patient with difficult people. There's difficult people in your life. There's the over-the-top person. Like you, 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 you say to them, ah, I had such a great morning today. I was up at six. And I got my kids ready. We got out the door on time. What a wonderful day. And then the over-the-top person says, oh, bless your heart. I was up at 4 a.m. churning butter for my family. And you're like... Why you got to go over the top? 
is the negative person. Susie, you look great today. I know I don't. It's too hot. It's too cold. It's too sunny. It's like, it's never right. Negative person. There's the passive-aggressive person. How you doing? I'm fine. You don't seem fine. I'm fine. Are you sure you're fine? You sound like you're going to kill someone. I'm fine. It's really, I'm fine. <laughs> and then there's the, this is, this is, this is, the, this is one of my favorites. Uh, there's the know-it-all person. And if you're carrying a baby today, the know-it-all person is looking for you. <laughs> they want to find you, young mom, young dad. And they want to share with you the wisdom that they have acquired over the years, the know-it-all person. They see you just, you're holding a baby that's been crying for 14 hours, and they walk up to you, know, you know what, if you just had a, like the right soothie, they'd be okay. You're like, I've tried 14 soothies in the last 12 hours. I'm going to punch you. <laughs> God bless you. Difficult people. We've all got difficult people in our, in our lives. Now, our default reaction to having difficult people in our lives is, is sometimes that we just want to get away from difficult people. Just pull away. Just get away from them. And there's actually nothing wrong with that in some ways. The Bible says that he who walks with the wise is going to become wise. But he who's a companion of fools is going to suffer harm. And so if everyone in your world is negative, then you probably do need to get some new peers in your life. You need to join up with the Sunday Fun Day crew. Come on, somebody. Like, yeah. Ha, I knew that. I knew who I could trust in that moment right there. We had the rally for, the sign-ups rally for small groups. And we had, honestly, we had... um, The the numbers have been astounding for how many people signed up for groups. Over, like... Basically, the average attendance on Sunday, that's how many people are in groups right now. It's just absolutely crazy. Now, Sunday Fun Day has like, well, they have a lot of those people. And I don't know how we gave the Sunday Fun Day people the prominent position at the rally, like right at the front by all the food. Like the Sunday Fun Day people needed to be at the back trying to use that charisma to gather people. But no, we gave them a prominent place and now everyone's in Sunday Fun Day. Listen, if you need, if you just, all you have in your world is negative people, you gotta find a space, you gotta find something different. But that's not what today is about, right? Like that's, that's a simple response. And yes, we need to do that. But, but today's a little bit deeper than that because if everyone in your world is not all rainbows and rays of sunlight all the time, the answer is not to go and hide away and, and hopefully get down to the number of people that you don't find difficult because you will find life very lonely if you try and do life without anybody who's difficult. And so we've got to press a little bit deeper than that and figure out how we do life next to and alongside some difficult people, especially in community, in church, in family. How do we do life with difficult people? How, how do we have grace in our lives? As Paul says, patience to walk life with difficult people. I want to go to a Bible story this morning. It's actually one for me that I've always found very fascinating. It's found in Genesis chapter 9. And it's a story of Noah, but it's not the Noah story that we might you know, all be thinking of. It's not Noah and the ark. And, and even if you didn't grow up around church, you probably know a little bit about Noah. It's not that story. It's actually after the ark. And we see Noah make what, according to scripture, at least what we see is the biggest mistake of his life. What's always astounded me about this story is that the Bible is clearly, and it's going to be obvious to us from the text, not trying to teach us and warn us that what Moses, or Moses, Noah, hello, that's the cold right there. 
That's the goal. It could be Abraham, it could be Noah, it could be Moses. If you hear all the different names floating around, say with me. Who is it this morning? As long as you go home knowing that, we're okay. I can say anything from this point on. You good? So Noah, <laughs> one of the patriarchs, Noah's about to make the biggest mistake of his life. But as we're going to see from the text, the Bible is not interested in warning you to not do the thing that Noah did. The Bible actually is more interested in warning us that the response to what he did was actually a bigger deal in the eyes of God. And that blows my mind when I see, when you see what Noah did and you see the response and you think, why is it that the Bible is highlighting that that's a big deal? It's astounding to me. This, is, this text has always been fascinating to me. That there is a right way and a wrong way to deal with difficult people and mistakes that others are making. And so we're going to go to the Bible and find this in chapter 9 of Genesis. Let's pick up the reading in verse 18. It says, The sons of Noah who went forth from the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was the father of Canaan. These three were the sons of Noah, and from these people, the people of the whole earth were dispersed. Noah began to be a man of the soil, and he planted a vineyard. So Noah gets into gardening after the flood. And, uh, but before the flood, the Bible had said some amazing things about Noah. It, the Bible tells us that Noah was righteous. The Bible tells us that he was blameless. The Bible tells us that he walked with God. And so we have this picture of Noah as a pretty great guy, a righteous man that God rescues and saves and chooses to bless his family. And we get to verse 21 and we see this mistake that, that Noah makes. It says this, it says, he drank of the wine and became drunk and lay uncovered in his tent. Translation, Noah got drunk, stupid, and naked. That's, pretty, that's a pretty big mistake, you might say. Now what I want to first highlight from this story is that this is actually happening at a time when Noah's on the high. Remember we talked about this last week? That sometimes our lowest lows can come after our highest highs. Isn't it fascinating that Noah doesn't face his biggest struggle when he's facing the ridicule and challenge of building a boat when everyone's mocking him and saying how stupid. No, he faces the biggest issue and makes the biggest mistake of his life. He was most susceptible to sin on the mountaintop. Here's the reason I bring that up. I'm so thankful for what God is doing among us as a church. I said on, on, on social media last night, I'm like, what God is doing right now is special among us, and I meant it. I'm like, I can't wait for church tomorrow. There's just this lean in in the house of God these days. God is doing something amazing, and, and we're launching new services, and people are getting saved every week. God's doing amazing things, but I think we need to pause every single week and just say, it is only Jesus. It is only Jesus that this is not something that elevates a man or a ministry or a person or a group of people or the dream team or anyone. The only reason God is doing great things in this place is because of Jesus, the presence of Jesus in this place. I'm thankful that the worship team was great this morning. I, I don't hope you leave here thinking that was good music. I hope that you were able to sense the presence of God in this place as we worship together, to see a revelation of how great God is. When we're on the mountaintop, we're actually most susceptible to our weaknesses. Most, oh, this is going to be a fun morning. Glory to God. Moses, Noah, Jacob, Abraham, Adam. Somebody made a mistake this morning. Glory to God. The Bible warns us repeatedly about this, that when we're on this, on the high highs in Canada, we need this, right? Like, things are going well for us. Like, we have our issues, but in the global picture, 
We are the blessed. And look what the Bible says about those who experience blessing. In Deuteronomy 8, it says, you shall eat and be full. And you're gonna bless the Lord God for the good land he's given you. Come on, that's Canada. And then what does verse 11 say? It says, take care. Come on, take care, Canadians, lest you forget the Lord your God. Lest things get so good in your life and you think, you know what, I can just kind of sit back and ease my way through the pleasures of this life. Come on, Canadians. Come on, British Columbians. Come on, we live in one of the best cities in the world. Take care lest you forget the Lord your God. We're not going to be a generous people unless we realize everything we have came from God. We're not going to pour out of ourselves unless we realize all the gold and goodness inside of our lives has nothing to do with us. It's God's blessing. It's God's resources. It's God's life. It's God's health. Come on, somebody. Beware lest you say in your heart, my power, my might have gotten me this wealth. Noah, after the miracle, finds himself making the biggest mistake of his life. Now, I want to kind of change gears here. And I want to look at the two different responses that we see amongst his boys. The first response is the unwise response. It's found in his oldest Ham. And this is what the Bible says about Ham's response in verse 22. It says, in Ham, unfortunate name, we were working on names this weekend on Friday night. Or was it last night? Again, I have no idea what day it is right now. I'm glad that you're here and that Rachel told me to come this morning. <laughs> Ham was not on the list. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and, just say this with me, told his two brothers outside. Ham did what most of us do when we encounter a difficult person. He went and talked about it. What we're about to see in a few moments is that what does not seem like a big deal is about to cost Ham his legacy. You ever notice it doesn't seem like a big deal when you gossip? No one's ever gossiping thinking, oh, this is a big deal. I should, whoa, <laughs> I might lose my legacy with these few words about this person. You ever, you ever notice this? We don't I don't think Ham thought this was a big deal. These words coming out of his mouth. But he's going to lose his legacy. How do we know he, we lose, he loses his legacy? We get to the New Testament and we see the gospel writer Luke trace back the genealogy of Jesus all the way back to Noah. You would expect, this is the way genealogies work, that it traced back through the firstborn, it traced back through Ham. Luke walks it all the way back, and we don't see Ham was born of Noah. We see Shem. We see the secondborn. Ham loses his legacy. The only thing the scripture gives us to understand why he lost his legacy was not something he did. It was the way he reacted to what somebody else did. You want to see how big of a deal this is in community? I'm going to get some help from Pastor Troy and from Vaughn this morning. Come on, can we welcome these guys as they come? I need a little bit of an illustration this morning. You're going to have to keep that going. Vaughn was sitting in the like 40th row. <laughs> That's because you were serving. You were like loving to help. What were you doing this morning? What team were you on? Set up. Set up. <laughs> And next steps. And Pastor Troy, once again, these guys are good looking. They, they're ready for this. They're not really sure where this could all go, but they're going to help me out with this a little bit. You guys ready for that? Come on a little closer. People need to see you. They need to feel, they need to feel this illustration. So Pastor Troy and Vaughn, uh, they like one another. These guys, they're good friends. 
So I need to put a little bit of animosity between them this morning. I'm going to stir it up a little bit in church. So here's what happened, guys. I want you to pretend that this morning you're on your way into church, Pastor Troy. You were driving. You're on your way into church. And you saw a prime parking spot in front of the church. Okay? And you're going for that parking spot. This is yours. Because God's blessing is on your life. That's favor. Favor ain't fair. (laughs) That makes me laugh. Okay. So Pastor Troy, (laughs) that was really funny. You're good at this. Uh, So Pastor Troy (laughs) sees prime parking spot in front of the church. Now, as he's about to pull in the spot, Vaughn sees the spot. And he he gets the, yeah, come on. Vaughn knows what to do right there. Vaughn knows, Vaughn knows what's what. Vaughn got the spot. Now, Pastor Troy's a little bit upset with this. So Pastor Troy comes into church, and Pastor Troy and I, we're tight. We, like, we're tight. And so we're always, we talk about most things that go on in our lives. And so Pastor Troy comes in, and he says to me, hey, uh, Pastor Shane, you're just not going to believe. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> you're not going to believe what Vaughn did this morning. He cut me off, and he took, he took my parking space. Now, pause there. Pause the story. We'll get back to them in a moment. But I just want to celebrate our dream team for a moment. You know that, that dream team that was serving you when you came in this morning? The, the band that was here at 7 a.m. this morning? You know that they're now parking across the street and through the woods because of our parking problems. Like what God's doing here, full services, praise God. We got parking issues. <laughs> I love it. So, this is so great. This morning I pull in 7 a.m., and I saw some of our, our band, they're coming, they're, all, they're early, they're coming through the woods, and it's, it's like 6.59, and they're on their phone as they're walking through the woods, they're just like scrolling, I'm like, is there never a safe place? Like, they're just scrolling as they walk through the beauty of nature, and I'm like, this is crazy. Of course, I went, and then I like parked my car, and as I'm walking through the woods, I realized, why am I scrolling? Like, what? <laughs> Thank you, Dream Team. So great. Okay, so Pastor Troy, he loses the parking spot to Vaughn, he comes, and he tells me about it. Now, I start to think that Vaughn is a parking stealer. I don't have any context for what went on other than that Pastor Troy was disappointed. And so now I'm carrying this offense that Vaughn steals parking. In fact, the next time I see Vaughn, I'm just like, I don't really talk to him about it, but I'm just like, man, Vaughn, Vaughn steals parking. Why does Vaughn steal parking? Now, a future date, these guys reconcile. They're good friends. And so they talk it out and they realize, yeah, exactly. Good job, guys. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. These guys reconcile. You know, it turns out because Vaughn and Faith, they're going to have a, a baby uh, in the new year when we're so excited. And, and Vaughn was just like, it turns out, yeah. Vaughn had just put like the kid's shade up in the back window. So he had this blind spot he'd never seen before. He's not used to having the kid's shade. He's just practicing. He's just getting ready. So he didn't even see Pastor Troy when he tried to pull in and they find out it was just a misunderstanding. They reconcile. You know what the problem is here? I'm still mad at Vaughn for stealing parking. I don't know that they've worked it out. You ever notice that, thank these guys, go ahead, like, thank these guys, that's great. Here's the point. Oftentimes, the hurts that you hold on to, the tightest, aren't the ones that happen to you, they're the ones that happen to the people you love. Or they're the ones that somebody else told you about. That's why this is a big deal in community. We tell our leaders, we raise up and train leaders around here at Resonate Church. We say, hey, listen, you can come at any time. You can come to myself or to whoever is your leader, and you can tell them when you've got some people difficulties. It's church. We're going to have people difficulties. That's just that we're different. 
and we're going to have some people difficulty, so we teach and train our leaders. It's okay to go to a leader and tell them that something is going on in your life that's difficult, but we don't want to or need to know the name of the person that the issue is with. Why is that? Because I want my view of you to be connected to my relationship with you and not somebody else's relationship with you. And this matters so much in community. You ever notice that in church, in any community, but, but really in church, you ever notice this is like the special church way to gossip? We disguise our gossip like a prayer request. <laughs> oh, we just, we just need to pray for so-and-so because this and, and this and, and this. You ever notice that we tend to think gossip is okay if it's true? We're saying something negative, but you know what? It's not gossip. It's just, it's just the truth. Like Ham, we don't think this is a big deal. We don't realize that this is actually costing us some aspect of our legacy if we're not careful in community. This is a big deal before God. Doesn't it astound you that Noah makes this massive mistake in his life? You know what it is that God judges? God judges the judgmental reaction of the son that doesn't think much about opening his mouth but points out the deficiency and the weakness in somebody else. So now how do we see, how is this supposed to be handled? We read on in the story and we see the picture of the other brothers. It says, Then Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it on both their shoulders. They walked backward and they covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned backward and they did not see their father's nakedness. So what we're about to see in a moment, we'll, we'll kind of unpack this, that they, they cover and they honor their father. But I think that we need to, I need, we need to pause here for a moment because... I don't want this to be misinterpreted because many times, in fact, most times I believe the right response is to cover over and to honor the mistakes of others. But Because this is a picture of someone who, who got drunk naked and stupid, I believe that we could misinterpret this and think that what we're asking you to cover over is abuse. And I'm so thankful that in our culture today there is this move away from this idea of sweeping abuse under the rug. The right response is to cover over and to honor in many and most circumstances, but not where there's abuse. And I'm so thankful that there is this sense of empowerment for those who've been abused to come and share the story that there may be justice and not only justice, but also for the protection of others who might have to deal with that same thing at the hands of that person. If you've ever had to face abuse in your life, I pray that God gives you wisdom to know how to deal with it. And if you do decide to bring it to the light, that there will be support, that there will be adequate people standing with you and alongside you, joining with you and saying, come on, let's bring this abuse to the light so that you can receive some justice and so that this does not happen to other people. And I just really want to clearly indicate that what Moses did was foolish, but it was not abusive. It was foolish, but it was not abusive. And so what we see is a different response of these two younger sons, and they come and they cover it over and they honor I'm so thankful that the Bible from cover to cover is not a picture of really great people doing really great things. The Bible from cover to cover is the story of human weakness covered over by God's grace. That's why this is the call for us. That we would be people that honor, that we would be people that cover. Can I just be honest with you? I've got weaknesses. I thank God that I am called empowered and enabled to reach people far from God with the call that's on my life as an evangelist and as a pastor. I thank God for those things. But can I just tell you, I've got a lot of weaknesses. 
I used to think, probably for the first seven or eight years I was in ministry, that the best response for me in dealing with my weaknesses was to keep people at arm's length so that they couldn't see my weaknesses. But as Rachel and I began to dream about the church that God had put into our hearts, and as we were sent out from Christian Life Assembly to plant and launch Resonate Church, God put something new in our hearts that was to actually let down the guard and to lead letting people see our weaknesses. Letting those that walk close to us. And so listen, if you make Resonate Church home and we begin to get close to what you are going to see in us and what we coach, again, our leaders and, and train them to walk in is vulnerability and transparency. Come on, let's, let, let's live with our weaknesses out there for people to see why. People don't need to think that you're perfect. They need to understand that you're not. They just need to see that you lean all in to following Jesus with your life. Follow me not as I am perfect. Follow me as I follow Christ. So we lead with our weaknesses on display. And so then what we need in community is we need people that cover over those things. They don't take advantage of them and try to leverage them to their own benefit and say, well, I'm going to leapfrog you because I'm going to tell other people that you've got some weaknesses. No, we need people that cover over those things. We need people that say, I'm going to honor the leaders in my life and I'm going to cover over their mistakes and I'm going to cover over their weaknesses. This is the biblical picture of what we do with the difficulties and the weaknesses of others. That's a fantastic first step, but I want us to take it one step further as we close this morning. And I want us to see something that we actually don't see in this story with Noah, but we actually see in the response of Jesus so many times in the New Testament through his ministry. It goes one step beyond covering over. How many are thankful that God doesn't just cover over your sins, but he begins to journey with you and lead you out of them? He begins to walk with you and bring freedom from those things that were in your past. He doesn't just cover them, Come on, somebody. He changes you. He leads you, and he helps walk you out of it. And so I think there is an aspect for us in our community that we don't just cover over and honor, but we actually meet people where they're at and help walk them to new levels of freedom. Recently, I was sitting with a couple, and she said something as we were talking over dinner, and it was actually really critical of her husband. I know many times in my life I've heard that sort of thing said and I've gone into like a really judgmental place and I thought, oh man, that's not really good and you know, you really shouldn't say things like that. I know that's kind of a default response sometimes in our hearts. But as she said this thing that was harsh and it was critical, I thank God that I, I was able to just notice something in her eyes and it wasn't that she was harsh and it wasn't that she was critical, it was that she was sad. And so as the conversation went on, I just felt like I needed to loop back. And, and so I said, hey, you know, I could be totally wrong and I, I might have totally misjudged this or misread this, but when you said this a few minutes ago, I, I thought I saw a look of sadness on your face and I just didn't want to pass that over in case you guys are going through something and you just needed to be able to talk about it. And right away she starts to cry talk about some of the pain that's going on in their relationship and then he starts to cry and he starts to talk about some of the pain that's gone on in his life that's caused them to be in this difficult place in their relationship church oftentimes in fact I would even suggest all the time you've got a difficult person in your life they're difficult because they've been through something difficult that negative person had negative things happen to them. That critical person's been criticized. Hurt people hurt people. But I thank God that as a community, God is healing us. God is moving among us. God is teaching us. God is filling us with his spirit. Why? Because healed people can begin to heal people. 
And I pray as a church, we wouldn't just be a church that sees the issues in others' lives. And we wouldn't be a, a place where people come and they feel like just all their mistakes are laid bare and that, and that people are looking at them and staring at those problems. I pray that we would be a church that doesn't just see the sin, but looks at the pain that caused the sin. I pray that we would be healing agents for those in our community, those around us, that we would see the hurt that's beneath the difficulty. I'm so thankful that when God looked at my life and when God looked at your life, he didn't say, you know what? For God so loved the people that just had a few things wrong. And it wasn't for God so loved the people that acted just like me and thought the way I thought. And it wasn't for God so loved the people who, who, who've been to church for the last 10 years. And it wasn't for God so loved the people who grew up knowing better. And it wasn't for God so loved the people who had everything handed to them. It was for God so loved the world. So the way we deal with difficult people, the beginning point is what Paul, the Apostle Paul said, it's patience. And it's the reaction to honor and to cover over weaknesses. And then as a church community, to begin to see what's the pain beneath the difficulty that we, with the love and grace of God, could begin to lead people out of. Would you bow your heads with me all over the room? In fact, I'm gonna ask you to stand with me because in a moment we're gonna go into a time of worship again. We're going into a time of worship because I believe today you don't need a message. You need the Holy Spirit to begin to speak to your heart, to begin to apply this to where you're at today. And so, dear Jesus, we come before you. We raise our hands in this place and we, we lean into an atmosphere and posture of worship and we ask you, God, would you uncover our hearts? Jesus, see you in this place today. Would we see the way that you react and respond to us? Would we be able to carry that into our lives, God? In these next few moments as we worship God, reveal Jesus to us that we would be like you as we see you. your throne upon our praise here in this place have your way the moment that we see we are changed show us your glory show us your glory then endure and surrender we fall
just as we were worshiping there, I feel like God spoke to my heart and that there's many in the room this morning and you're carrying church hurt. You're carrying church baggage because the way somebody saw you when you made a mistake or when you were in a place of weakness was to expose what you had done. It's left you even coming into this community with a sense of hold back, with a sense of not fully leaning in, with a sense of not really fully engaging in relationship. In fact, sitting with a posture that says, I don't know if I could really get healed from this. And I believe the presence of God is in the room today to begin to deal with some of these things in our hearts. I believe God wants to say to you today, the bigger issue today is not the thing that got done to you, but it's the posture of your heart. And I'm here to heal your heart. I'm here to enlarge the capacity of your heart to let it go. I'm here to enlarge the capacity of your heart to forgive. I'm here to enlarge the capacity of your heart to let those things wash off you. Because I've got a plan for you because I've got a purpose for you, because I want you dialed in and fully engaged in community, because I want to heal that thing. And so God, we just lift our hearts, but if that's you today, would you just lift your hands? Would you just allow God by the Holy Spirit to begin to resolve some of those hurts? Holy Spirit, we lean into you. We need you. We can't do this on our own, God. I can't do this on my own. God, I let go of things that I've been carrying, God. We, Lord, we need to be a house that's healed so we can begin to heal people. God, heal the wounds of our hearts, God, so we can pull others out of hurt. In Jesus' name, come on, church, let's worship.
give it up for Jesus in this place. Come on. I'll invite you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed for just a moment. Because I think there's some people in the room today. And and you know that what you need covered over is the sins of your past. You're here in this place today and and you actually don't have a relationship with Jesus. Or you say, yeah, I'm all in. I've surrendered my life to Christ and I know my sin's covered. He's covered over the sins of my past. Maybe you've never made that decision before. Or maybe today, you know that at a point in time you walked away from God and you're in that place still today. I'm not just talking about like it's been a rough week. No, I mean, you've never made a decision to follow Jesus Christ or, or you've willfully chosen to walk away from God and you're in this place today and your heart is far from God and you need him to cover over those sins. You need him to bring you back. If that's you in the room this morning, in the moment I'm going to invite you to do something, I'm just going to invite you to shoot your hand up after I count to three. And the reason we give you that moment here is that I just want you to have that moment of decision to say, yeah, today was the day where, where in that moment I raised my hand and I, I put my faith in Jesus and I believe God took away and rescued me from my sin. The Bible says again and again that salvation is a free gift. And so in a moment, we're not going to send to you out, call you forward, do anything but simply pray together. I'm going to invite all of the church to pray together. And so we're just going to be praying. And that's going to be you just from the bottom of your heart saying, I surrender my life to Jesus. If that's you in this place, you'd say, yeah, today's my day. Don't leave me out. Don't miss me. Today's my day. Would you just shoot your hand up on three? This is between you and God. One, two, three. Just shoot your hand up. Hold it up. Just, just let God know, I'm coming today. Today's my day. Yeah. 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 Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. So come on, church, let's pray this together with those who've raised their hands. Let's, let's all join together. If you raise your hand, can we just pray this from your heart? Say, dear Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Would you cover over my sin? Make me brand new. Thank you for the cross. Jesus, you're Lord of my life. Help me follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, church. Can we celebrate those who's made that decision today? Come on, like you've never done it before. Like, 